Hi everyone, my name is Walter Lim, and thank you for tuning in to the Majestic Road Podcast. Life with God is a wonderful journey that has its ups and downs. Right now, many of us could be facing a daunting downhill battle and trying to find a way to get back up. It is my hope that with this new season of the podcast, I can continue to encourage all of you, no matter the situation you're in or are currently facing. I pray that this episode will be uplifting and give you the joy and strength to stay on that journey with the Lord. Let's get going. It is a pleasure to introduce my guest for today's episode. Uh, He's a dear friend, fellow brother in Christ, and we actually do attend the same church. But more importantly, he is an essential worker heading into the hospital day in, day out to help patients normally, but also now with this COVID-19 pandemic. He is Jason Lowe. Jason, thank you, sir, for joining me today on the Majestic Road podcast. Yes. Hey, Walter. Thank you for having me. Love being here. Uh, Appreciate it. I'm really excited for this. So let's begin and hear about your amazing journey. And now this episode, obviously, in this season of this podcast, a little different um, since the current state of affairs that this world is dealing with, known as the COVID-19 pandemic or the coronavirus, uh, which is affecting millions and millions of people, you know, and obviously it's still my hope and prayer that those around the world are, you know, covered by the Lord's grace and healing and just really getting through these times that are tough. And I know that we will get through this. It's hard now, but I think the Lord's always been favorable. So for you, Jason, how are you and your family just doing amidst this time now? Because it's not normal for any of us, but now obviously our lives have been turned upside down. Um, but how are you guys doing this? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously everything in the world is abnormal. Um, I mean, just dealing it with it uh, at home, you know, the kids are home from school. Um, you know, my wife suddenly become, uh, you know, their new teacher. So it's a, it's a progress, you know, uh, work in progress. Uh, but they've gotten into a good rhythm. Um, but, you know, just for me uh, professionally, I, you know, not, thankfully, not too many people have to go through, but, you know, I, I work with COVID on a daily basis at the hospital. So I get to do see some insight and see some things that maybe the general public won't see. And, um, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a, it's, it's a battle zone going on in the hospital. Shout out to your wife uh, who does who's just an amazing woman and taking care of uh, <laughs> the kids at home because they're home 24 yes. seven. So all the mothers uh, out there. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Gratefully. Yes. Thankful for all of them. Uh, as you mentioned, you do work in the hospital and you are currently an anesthetist, which yes. I finally got. Woo-hoo! Um, <laughs> and we'll get to that and just kind of the impact of that role for you. But before we move on, and I've always wondered, and I'm always curious when I ask our guests, if you weren't doing that right now, and if you weren't in the hospital or even in the anesthesiology department, um, what would you have chosen for your career uh, instead of this? Wow, it's a kind of interesting question. Um, I think I always wanted to go into a field uh, where I would help people, um, but you know I'll, I'll exclude that because you know healthcare is so vast, and that's what I'm in now. But there are times I think I also like working with my hands. So I don't know. I think sometimes when I'm watching all these home shows, HDTV type of shows, I'm always pretty envious of people who can kind of create something out of nothing. So I always thought it'd be nice to maybe be some type of you know builder, um, someone who can help build homes. Um, I thought that was cool. I mean, that's something I could maybe would have dabbled in. And as a side note, um, there was a brief time where I did consider uh, you know maybe even attending seminary. So. Who knows? Maybe ministry work full time. Huh. Maybe you can 
build homes <laughs> <laughs> as a mission or build a church. <laughs> that, that, that does sound like they do that. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, maybe you can be one of those reality show uh, stars that build homes for <laughs> families yeah. or, okay. Yeah. Or you'd be the next Bob Vila. No, is, Bob, is it Bob Vila? Yeah, Bob Vila. Here we go. Uh, this old house, I think. Yeah. Repairs. Yeah. Uh, I'm dating myself. Yeah, that was dated. <laughs> All right. Um, that's cool. Well, you know, hopefully that can happen on the side, baby. Just kind of stay busy in the garage or in the backyard or build your kids a treehouse. How's that? Yeah, happen? yeah. Definitely. <laughs> but you did choose um, the medical field, the health field. Was that something that the Lord kind of geared you towards or pressed your heart for? Or is that just something that came to you that you want to, you know what, I'm going to enter this field and help people that way? I think, you know, going into college and trying to select a major, you know, I, I, I was a Christian, uh, you know, before then. And, you know, it was definitely, I always wanted my career to be meaningful and impactful. Um, so, yeah, definitely helping people was on my radar. Um, but, you know, I didn't always consider uh, medical school an option at that time. So, you know, there's, but there's uh, a whole uh, different types of professions that we can go into. So kind of, yeah, it was on my heart and eventually led me into nursing, and which I immediately fell in love with and found that I was great at. And, and then that led me into advanced practice nursing, which right now, yeah, I'm a certified registered nurse anesthetist, you know, giving anesthesia. Um, and it's, it's definitely, I, I, I love what I do. And I'm so glad for every step of the way that led me here. That's great. That's great. And I know the, the hospital and the patients appreciate that. And before we get to kind of current situation, what's like a normal day for you pre-coronavirus? <laughs> oh my gosh, I, I miss those pre-coronavirus days. Um, yeah, we, uh, I go into the hospital and you know I usually would uh, help give anesthesia in one of the operating rooms. So I'll see my patients beforehand and they'll usually be coming in for some type of uh, surgery. You know, we also have emergent surgeries, but generally on a day-to-day -day basis, we'll have patients come in for, you know, your hip surgeries, uh, gallbladder surgeries, general surgery, maybe even sometimes cosmetic surgeries, cancer surgery. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk to them, get a, you know, a bit of their history, let them know what to expect. And then, uh, you know, work together with anesthesiologists and, you know, we put patients uh, to sleep and keep them safe uh, during anesthesia so they can wake up comfortable. And then, uh, you know, we them up at the end of the procedure and they go into recovery and we start the recovery process. Do you see the patients afterwards as well or just before? Uh, pretty much immediately before and immediately after. Um, pretty much once, you know, they're in recovery, uh, then they're in the hands of uh, the surgical team. And so, yeah, you know, we, we have a just that one snapshot in time where we're with them. Okay, okay. I see. So you kind of set them up for the procedure and then you kind of go from there. Yes. Yes. Okay. So, well, obviously that's kind of your daily normal as you wished normal schedule. Yeah. Um, and obviously a lot has changed. Um, is it, a, is there a typical day or how about this? Let's, 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 I'll make a two question. Um, how has your role changed first and are there typical days or is each day just kind of like here it is and we're having at it? Uh, so, I mean, you know, COVID-19 has drastically changed the scope of hospitals, especially here in New Jersey, where we've had um, high volume of, you know, infections. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, just even going to the hospital, it's just a different feel already. You know, there are no visitors. Uh, it's just all hospital staff. And even then, everyone's, uh, you know, pretty much in their PPE, masked up. So sometimes it's hard to recognize people that you would normally recognize in the hallway. And, you know, um, our anesthesia department, we're formed what is called uh, essentially COVID response team. So thankfully, you know, a lot of people who do come to the hospital, uh, you know, they, they have mild symptoms and they get better or they get discharged. Uh, but there's definitely that subset of patients who, who do get really sick. And unfortunately, uh, yeah, we're the team that has to respond to that. So, you know, as an anesthesia department, including me personally, you know, we have to go in and put in their breathing tubes to help give their lungs a chance to recover. Um, you know, but throughout this whole process, we've been thankfully uh, have enough PPE and you know, feel safe and comfortable. Um, so yeah, you know, first first few weeks is definitely emotionally hard. Uh, but in terms of core response, you know, we're we're trained to do this. We're trained to go in and you know to help people in those moments, of, uh, especially yeah, emergent moments. Uh, so that's about you know, a third of my time is doing that. We still have a third of the time when we're giving anesthesia to emergency cases. You know, if someone comes in with hip fracture or if their appendix ruptures, you know, they, regardless of COVID-19, they still need surgery emergently. So we're still doing that. Uh, but the big difference is now we kind of just presume that everyone that we deal with is COVID positive. So it really changes a lot of our safety mechanisms in terms of the anesthesia that we give how we protect ourselves and staff in the room. Um, and then the other dirt of my time is you know, helping with ICU care and um, assistance. And that's where really the battle is being fought right now in the ICUs at our hospital. Wow. Thank you. That's yeah. It, it paints a really stark picture. And, you know, and as you said too, it's like, you know, in your normal schedule, you would, before the procedure, you'd be able to talk to the patients and set them up and, Obviously not now because it's almost kind of like you're all hands on deck and rushing or not rushing, but trying to get things done so that you can save a life and yeah. you can actually get these people um, care. Um, so how does that feel for you? And I'm, I'm assuming you must also talk with your coworkers and the other doctors and nurses, just knowing that like you're doing a job, which is so vital, so important, but also just doing it in the fact that you can't really relate to the patient in that sense. And give them some sense of comfort or, you know, even presence, right? It's it like, yeah. how do you guys go about each day now knowing that you're just in there doing it and there's no more interaction like you had prior to this? Well, our interactions specifically with the COVID response is, um, it's definitely tough, you know, speaking with my coworkers, um, kind of like, I'm sure there's been enough articles out there, but, you know, there are going to be times where, we are literally the last face that they see uh, before they go on the ventilator. And unfortunately, um, a good percentage of patients who go on ventilator, especially if they're sicker, um, are not going to come off. So there's definitely been that emotional stress and struggle that you know we talk about as a group. Um, and it's one great thing is that we do have each other. So literally that we can talk to each other because no one else really know what we go through. You know, we can talk to our spouses. Uh, we talk to you know our pastors, our friends, but no one really know except other people who are doing exactly what we're doing. Um, it's definitely not lost on me, um, you know, being a believer. Um, the 
just the, the, the care and the compassion that I can offer not only my co-workers but to the patients as we're responding to their distress. Um, you know, generally, like I come in and I introduce myself to the patient and I'll call them by name and you know, I'll say, I'm so sorry this is happening to you. We're here to help you. And I'll literally put my hand on their shoulders to just, you know, give them that human touch. And a lot of times as I'm, you know, putting the breathing tube down right before as we're putting, giving them that meditation, I'm, I'm praying for them in my mind, you know, in my heart. And yeah, you know, there's that, that, that love, that compassion that comes out in those moments. Um, yeah. I mean, that was kind of like my follow up question. Yeah. Obviously, you're not there. I mean, you can't you can't honestly talk to them and, you know, minister and try to, like, yeah. you know, save them and all. But like, you know, as you said, as a believer and, you know, as, as a fellow Christian, it's hard to um, be in that position knowing that you can't say anything yeah. per se. But as you said, like that is still spreading the love of God, you know, and being compassionate, saying hello given their name. And I think, and I don't know, I'll, I'll ask that to you. It's like, maybe just even the gesture itself is, I think it can be spirit filled, you know? And I think that um, the fact that you faithfully believe that what you're doing, uh, obviously one is helping them, but two, that you're trusting God is there too. You know, I think that's, that's the least we can do. So, I mean, I, I commend you because to stand there day in with that faith as you're about to put the breathing tube uh, on that patient to say, God, you're here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. That, that, yeah. Cause like, other than that, you really can't do anything else because of the isolation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's wow. Okay. Yeah. That's really amazing. So how is the community though? Like in that area where you are, your neighborhood, the hospital, how is that, how have they dealt with the challenge? What have you seen? Have you seen anything or, is there a kind of a mood? Obviously, the, the community has stepped up with the food donations and, you know, obviously the clapping at seven o'clock for all the first responders. But is there a certain atmosphere or feeling um, in your area around the hospital? You know, I, I can't really speak to what the community is going through. You know, I think everyone in the community is generally, everyone's battling their own battle and stress and things that they have to deal with. And and in a sense, like I think most communities in, in New Jersey or in America around the world, they're in, in survival mode because this is definitely a, a warlike atmosphere where you kind of can't go out. There's a silent enemy. Um, in the hospital, it's, it's a little more traumatic because, you know, you, you actually see it. But I think uh, the community response is, you know, they, in terms of, you know, they put out signs in front of the hospital that says, you know, heroes work here. And um, they've been actually making a lot of donations. So I think initially when there was an issue with maybe that you might have to be short on supplies of PPE, which, you know, we're thankfully not, but people were getting out their old respirators, um, you know, Crocs, uh, TVEC suits, all sorts of donations. Even now with uh, the move um, that, you know, we're requiring masks in public, people are sewing together masks, people are making straps for bands, uh, making face masks. So uh, I think people, while people are home, there's so many creative people that are actually making these things and donating them to the hospital. And definitely, um, almost on a daily basis, there's been some type of multiple food deliveries to the ICUs uh, because, you know, the ICU teams are, are working the, the, mo the hardest 
to take care of the COVID patients. And just uh, that pouring of, you know, just support and love. And yeah, that, you know, it's, it's, it's beautiful to see the community come together like that. Yeah. I mean, we have to do that. We have to be united yeah. um, in this front. We can't say this is how I'm doing it or this is how you're doing it. Um, mm-hmm. It's let's work together. Yeah. To find yeah. a common goal. Yeah. Um, yeah. And for someone as including yourself in the midst of this pandemic at the hospital, uh, I mean, if you could, is there, if it's possible, are there any like facts or points that, you know, you would like people to know? Because obviously we hear so much from the media and from our, our elected officials, but you know, you're there, um, boots on the ground to kind of give a better picture of like, Hey, this is a serious thing and this is how we can overcome it. Is there something maybe you can kind of state? You know, I think our governors, particularly here in New Jersey and in New York, uh, Murphy and Cuomo, you know, they're, they're doing an excellent job you know, given the severity of what we're facing and what they've instituted with these you know, stay at home orders and uh, stay home and non-essential, you know, personnel staying home, but people, who, you know, limiting people going out um, has been really beneficial. You know, I think I have seen, you know, uh, that curve flatten and and the numbers do appear that they're getting better. You know, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but I can kind of notice it that it's doing it. It's doing its job. So I think, you know, it might be uncomfortable at home. And I definitely feel for, you know, the population out there that may be affected in terms of job loss or income or furlough, but, you know, us staying home during the initial wave has really helped, you know, the community and helped the hospitals not impact and helped us just really, you know, slow down the spread of this vicious disease. And, um, you know, firsthand in the hospital, you know, we, we do see how bad it can get. And not only does it affect, you know, patients who are generally older and, and people with like a lot of health comorbidities, but, you know, we'll, we'll get patients that we just look and be like, they shouldn't really be here. And it's, it's against the, the numbers. And that's the scary part. And that's when, you know, staying at home and trying to keep, keep your family safe, yourself safe, the community safe, really makes an impact. Yeah, I was going to say, I know that when Governor Murphy does give his, I mean, both governors of New York and New Jersey give their daily briefings, a lot of the numbers they show is um, hospital admissions. And I'm yeah. not sure, obviously, if you have that knowledge, but like, yeah. have you seen the last couple of weeks that people coming in with COVID have actually gone down? Like, again, I don't have the uh, exact numbers in front of me, but from what I can kind of generally gauge, the numbers this past week compared to four weeks ago, um, yes, there's been a, a reduction in people coming in and, and just even just the amount of you know breathing tubes that we have to put in on a day-to-day basis is, is definitely plateaued off, which is a great thing. How did... You know, when initially, when you knew the pandemic was growing and getting more severe, how did you tell your kids um, that your kind of role is really going to change and that your, I guess, presence was going to be different? Well, my kids are a little bit older, you know, third and second grade. So they kind of understand and they always knew that, you know, their father worked in the hospital and gave anesthesia. So they were very aware of that. Um, and I think, you know, their understanding of, you know, the COVID-19 with them having to stay home from school, they understand the severity of it. Uh, but as I began, you know, as our, as our group began to COVID response and dealing with COVID head on, um, you know, just had to take precautions, um, 
just, you know, I think any healthcare provider's main concern is that you just kind of don't want to bring it home. You know, there's there's an increased chance that we may get sick, and, and that's, you know, that's that's part of our, 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 our role. You know, we're here to help people, and that may happen, but, but the hard part is then, you know, you getting sick is one thing, but you having an effect, your family and possibly your children is another. And, yeah, so, you know, I've myself, we've just adapted some things at home to kind of, you know, try to make it a little safer environment. So, you know, reduce the risk of bringing it, contracting it home. Um, but, yeah, they, they've been pretty good in terms of understanding that. And, you know, it's, um, you know, it's going to be a, a short season for us to have to do the things we do. Yeah, I'm hoping that for you and everyone out there can get that time back and be with the loved ones. Um, But what is that? (laughs) I got to ask though, what's that like? So you leave to go to your shift and then you're done. You come home or let's say, let's say, let's say, let's start from the hospital. Your shift is done. You're leaving to go to your car. What's the clean off procedure like? So one thing that this has definitely made all the people in the hospital is that we've become very OCD. Um, (laughs) You know, so, you know, whereas on my normal day leaving the hospital, I'll change out of my scrubs, uh, wash my hands, and I'm, I'm off. But now with COVID-19, you know, uh, going on, it's it, it takes it's about a 25-minute um, ordeal to try to leave the hospital because I have to plan out the steps of, you know, how I'm going to take off everything and clean and, and then what I touch on my way out. And... You know, this might, and then when I come home, you know, I, I enter through the garage, and that becomes my own then decontamination area again. <laughs> so it's it, it's it's uh, yeah, it's 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 OCD, but um, but, you know, again, we're all taking the steps to protect you know, our families, our loved ones, to the best that we can, and you know, I don't think it's it's necessarily like this fear of it. But I think, you know, we 100% have to be wise in what we do. And, um, but yeah, you know, so coming home sometimes takes like 30 minutes to just leave. And, and then coming home, you know, decontaminate in the garage and then run straight to the shower. <laughs> do you dress, do you change at home or at the hospital? Change at the hospital. But I, I don't wear street clothes anymore to the hospital. I just wear scrubs. That, not my work scrubs, but just my traveling scrubs. Then I change into work scrubs. And sometimes... You know, several times a day, depending on you know how many patients we work with, um, may you know change multiple times in the hospital again, and then uh, coming back, yeah, I just only have to take off my uh, traveling scrubs, but I don't wear uh, my ring to the hospital anymore. I don't wear a watch, uh, nothing mm-hmm. on my hands that you know require me to take home. That's good. Well, I mean, throughout this time, I'm so thankful that um that you've been healthy um and i haven't heard anything from you being sick and obviously being in the hospital is there's that worry and there's that fear but you said it before too it's like being wise yes you know and i think that's one thing where um you know we kind of lose focus or lose thought of just because you know anxiety can get the worst of us and and you know just kind of go on that point that you said of me so far after five weeks thankfully being well you know, I, I truly you know, believe it's the grace of God. And, you know, I get multiple texts throughout the week from, you know, various you know, church members um, and even old church members from you know, our, 
a church we went to years ago in another state, and they're just get a text and say, hey, Jason, you know, we're, we're really praying for you and your family, and, you know, how's it going? And, you know, it's so encouraging to get those texts. And I just actually told my wife the other night, I was like, you know, it's been five weeks and you know, we're all doing well, thankfully. And I was like, I can really feel it's, it's not only the grace of God, but it's the prayers of all, of all the people around us that I'm tremendously thankful for. It's true. And you're doing good work. Uh, and I believe that, yes, God's grace is really covering yeah. uh, you and everyone. So, yeah. um, and I want to keep praying for that for you and, and your family and, and everyone at your hospital, because this is going to, it's going to be a while, but I think it's going to be, um, it's going to be good at the end. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. Walter. Um, yeah. And, you know, as you're talking here on the Majestic World podcast with Jason Lowe, you know, the Christian walk is a journey, you know, which has mountains and valleys. Um, and obviously right now the world is dealing with this low um, due to the coronavirus pandemic. But for you, Jason, you know, was there another point in your Christian walk that you just possibly hit a breaking point and said, Lord, I need you. Lord, help me. Like, where are you during this time? Wow. Um, you know, there's definitely was a miracle that um, my wife Hope and I experienced during the um, carrying and birth of our daughter, Christy. Um, a miracle that we will never forget. And in those moments, they were like, yes, not only is God real, but he's with us and he has answered our prayer. And it's a miracle that we'll never forget. And um, early on in Hope's pregnancy, I think about 20 weeks, they found that she had um, what they call a short cervix. And on follow-up, um, they realized that, you know, day by day, it was getting shorter. So what happens is with the cervix, at some point if it shortens too much, then you risk uh, premature birth, and then obviously all the risks of that. So we were at 20 weeks when we discovered this, and as we were progressing the first few weeks, um, it was getting shorter, and we had to see a high-risk um, OB. And she bluntly said to our face, um, I'll really be surprised if the baby gets to 30 weeks. And, you know, that was a process that we had to deal with emotionally. You know, obviously it's you know, carrying a child and, you know, remind you that in those moments, you know, giving, having life is fragile and it's truly in God's hands. But, you know, I think during that process, we were really able to give it up to God and say, well, God, this is out of our hands. And, and we trust in you, and God. You know, not only do we want, you know, a healthy baby that can go to near term, but God, even if that's not the case, even if, you know, it happens, what may happen may happen. You know, God, we'll trust in your plan. We we'll trust in you. So we were ready to give it up to God to say, hey, either way, God, we still, you're still God, and you're still King and Lord, and we're gonna accept it. But, but we have our faith and our hope in you, and that was what really stirred us and. And in that time, um, our whole church was praying for us. And it was one of the times, one, two. And I'm not saying that God was this genie, but, you know, I, I really got into a time of prayer and fasting that was so rich in my life to plead. And, and yeah, and after a couple of weeks, we went to get another ultrasound. And the OB said, hey, your cervix grew. 
And we're like, what? Is that normal? What does that mean? We weren't sure. And she said, sometimes, you know, things can't be, she said, no, it wasn't normal. And she actually said, you know, some things can't be explained by science. And that was when we just felt like that. Wow, God, you spoke to us and you hear our prayers and, you know, you're going to be with us during this process. And our daughter, Christy, was born uh, right a day before 37 weeks and um, in great health. And it's a miracle that we will never forget and to know that, you know, God, it was God's miracle. And uh, we named her Christy Grace Lowe uh, mm. to, to recognize that. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, wow. I mean, I guess in that process, because like you said, the nurse, or I'm sorry, the, the doctor saying, you know, not going past 30 weeks and like you said leaving it to god but was there a moment or moments possibly that when you felt that assurance knowing that okay um we're in this now you and your wife as she's carrying the baby and felt like like you felt god's breakthrough like you felt like it's gonna be okay was there a moment like that for you guys i think a few weeks after the shock of the diagnosis but, but like I said, like when we were able to just give it up before God and say, we trust in you, uh, what, either way. So we were kind of already at that point, like, God, you know, we trust in you. And, and whichever way it ends up, we, we, we're, we're okay with it because you are God. And, but then when we went, you know, I think you know, about three weeks after, they said that the service was uh, growing, you know, which was you know, not typical. Um, that was already a sign that you know, we were like, yes, God, thank you for you know, our prayers. And, and from weeks 28 on, every week was like, God, wow, it's another week, another week we're getting there. So it was early, but it was also like a buildup every week. And it was amazing to see. What was that reaction like once you knew um, you guys had passed 30 weeks? <laughs> um, it must have been great, no? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I mean, every week helps at, at that time. Um, but I think when we actually hit like 35, 36 weeks in, it was, it was just like, wow, this is a miracle. This is a miracle. Yeah. That's that's fan that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, and now, you know, you look at her, uh, Christy, and she's a beautiful, energetic, little, lovely girl. And I'm yeah. so thankful to know her and have you guys and my daughter's lover. So that's yeah. a blessing there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's good. And I miss him. I miss him a lot. Um, yeah. So, no, thank you for that. You know, cause yeah, to deal with life as fragile as that and to have, you know, your wife and you to kind of support each other during this time and to really beat the odds. And, you know, it's, and that's why I asked that because like the doctor said 30 weeks, no more than that. But when you get past that point in each week, there's such a, gratifying feeling i think for you guys yeah. and yeah. um thank you for sharing that because yeah. you know some people aren't as fortunate but yeah i think you feel the grace of god over you definitely during that time and you know especially now with our current pandemic you know after learning about that breakthrough for you guys um like as we stated earlier you know it's different for a lot of people who are losing their jobs who are obviously currently in the hospital yeah. or have loved ones that are in the hospital like from that breakthrough, you know, dealing with um, the delivery and, and the, the whole uh, development of your daughter, you know, what can we tell people to really lean and learn and to trust the Lord, especially now during this time? I think there's 
one similarity between that instance and now was that, you know, it's really out of our hands. Um, this pandemic has struck and it's just shaken up the world upside down. Like nowhere in history does the whole world shut down. Um, but part of like this process of you know, just really taking a step back and looking at what it means, um, you know, I think for myself, I'm just realizing that we're shedding a lot of our control in our lives to, or, or even just to realize that, you know, we have no control. Um, and, and, and the things that we had were maybe a false sense of control or maybe things in our, our lives that occupied us were, you know, idols that we built up and things that we're making comfortable. I feel like as that's being stripped away for all of, all of humanity, you know, whether you know, you're believers or not, kind of takes you back to the core of what you would value or what you find to be true. And I think as believers, uh, as a Christian, um, in this, this time right now, it's, it's one of the major times where the Bible is coming alive. You know, where uh, the talk of like fear and not being fearful, or there's a hope in the future, or that, you know, God loves us and He, he has a plan. Um, and, and our hope and our comfort and our peace in Him and not in, in, in things, right? In, in horses or chariots or in material things. It's uh, so many things that, like, in, in different ways it comes to life. And I think it's just been beautiful to kind of imagine that, you know, across this pandemic that there are people all across the world, in every country, in every corner, who are, are praying, are praying for the healing of this land. Um, but I think more importantly is to pray for, you know, God's glory to be real in this time. Like, this is hopefully a once-in-a-world in, in incident but like, what is the meaning of it? And I think through every bad thing, you know, God uses it for His good. And and I think, yeah, this time is just to understand. That, thank God we have a hope. You know, as as people do lose things, and whether it's loved ones or you know, people to sickness, and even just material things, and which are important. You know, like our livelihoods, our careers, our goals, our our jobs, our dreams. Really takes you back to you know, us, us and our Maker, and us and our Savior. You know, strips us bare. Yeah, it's true, and it's like I think we have to remind ourselves. And you know, when I talk to fellow people, uh, fellow Christians, or even non-Christians, it's like, and this is something for me. Like, you have to see what God's showing us or teaching us through this yeah. time. Yeah. As hard as it is, right? You know, like you said, people need their livelihoods. They don't want to lose a loved one. You know, and it's really, really hard. Um, to see it through that but that's where faith comes in Um, and like you said you know going back to the bible which is true the bible has so much truth to it and i think today more so each and every verse is heightened because of hearing how god has plans for all of us yes and that his hands upon upon uh, all of us and as you said the bible is such a a guiding uh, force it gives us knowledge and wisdom and, and, and 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 heeds us in the right direction um but we also have guiding light as people Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm hoping, Jason, at this time, um, that you could share someone because, you know, for anyone, we all get to a place because of someone or somebody, mm-hmm. you know, our parents obviously birthed us to the world and friends and teachers and what have you. But um, I was wondering if you could highlight a person or it could be persons uh, that you've known uh, that you could always count on and said, hey, this person has my back and literally lifts me up and encourages me uh, when I need it. Yeah, um, that's a easy answer. 
um, <laughs> for for me, it's it's my wife Hope. Um, yeah, we've been we've known each other for a long time, and we've been married. I think now we're going you know thirteen, going on fourteen years. Awesome. But you know, we've been in each other's lives for since we were thirteen and fourteen. Um, and yeah, she's really been not only, you know, uh, you know, my wife and my partner, um, but really my best friend and, um, a, a person that I've just leaned on and, and, and it's actually strangely helped shape me since, since, uh, since I was a 14 year old, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, she, she actually bought me my first Bible ever, um, which I have to this day and, mm. You know, I think, you know, there, there are seeds planted in terms of, you know, that and my salvation, my walk. Um, and even me, like, you know, wanting to be um, a better man, a better person. You know, she, she has a root in a lot of that, even from a young age. So, um, and yeah, and all these stories and fiascos and adventures we've had in, in the, over the last, you know, 30 years. Um, but yeah, she, she has been my awesome person, my friend, um, my love and yeah, my guiding light, you know, apart from obviously, right. Our savior, but, but <laughs> just, just, you know, as one, I think I really feel like we've, we've really witnessed and, and handled and, and done so much together, at, um, you know, as partners before God. And that's, um, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been awesome. Yeah. And as you said too, obviously God is our guiding light, but you know, here on earth, we have these people like your wife as vessels, you know, you know, as you stated earlier too, before about when you just look at the patient and help them, that alone can be something God is moving you through. And I think, you know, as you said it too, your wife is there and she's definitely um, been blessing you and your whole family. And even, you know, for the church that we're at, I'm very thankful. Um, Now who's more steady (laughs) when it comes to like situations, you or her? (laughs) Um, hey, you know, I'm a, I'm an anesthetist, you know, my job is to be cool during times of crisis. And so I, I think, you know, generally she, she won't, she won't deny I'm, I'm generally more cool and level-headed and calm. Um, but you know, she's, uh, she's, she's a, she's a smart cookie too. So, you know, (laughs) yeah. No, shout out to her, man. Like I said, all the moms and her staying home and dealing with, um, the kids and you know their life has changed too because yeah. for people that are working at home now the spouses are there the kids yeah. are there the, the wives have lost kind of uh their freedom in a yeah. sense yeah when you yeah. leave the office okay now that's good and you guys are both from brooklyn yeah yes pretty much yeah, yeah. born and raised yeah. yeah yeah all right all right yeah no that's that's good that's how uh that's amazing how like did you you guys bet and then did you just know that it would hit off and it would lead to where you guys are now I mean, it's it's so cliche, but literally, like when I saw her as a, you know we were thirteen, it was like love at first sight. And I'm not saying that we we're you know together, you know since then, but you know we're we're good friends for 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 long times on and off, always a special place in our hearts. Uh, but yeah, at thirteen, it was a very instant connection, and it was yeah, literally. I think we we're both were googly eyed and amongst other things. But yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty real at 14, 13. Okay. Okay. That's good. And that's, that's credit to you guys. And I definitely know that 
God has done good things and he'll continue to do good things. So thank you for that. And shout out to your wife. Yeah. You're listening to the Majestic World Podcast. Uh, My guest today is Jason Lowe, good friend of mine, fellow brother in Christ, and an essential worker who is, again, at the hospital um, dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic uh, that we're all facing right now. And he's been sharing a lot uh, about his personal journey and also his personal day in, day out with the hospital and really encouraging so far. But for now, just as God appeared to Moses at the burning bush, it is now time for Burning Questions. Are you ready, Jason? This will be fun. All right, let's go. Burn away. (laughs) All right. So as you said uh, a little before, you're from Brooklyn, born and bred in Brooklyn. Yeah. I currently live in New Jersey. Yes. I made that same move going from city to suburbs and it took me a while to get used to. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, but I don't know if you can, but for the two locations, could you give a pro and a con to Brooklyn and New Jersey? Oh, Brooklyn by far has much better food. I mean, Brooklyn pizza is hands down the best in the world. So that I will, I, I miss uh, Brooklyn bagels. Um, and just the access to, you know, a variety of food, different ethnic foods, and even the cost. Um, Brooklyn is, is the winner. Um, Jersey, you know, it's great, you know, it's, you get more space, you know, that's one thing I don't miss about Brooklyn is how dense it was. I, I do really appreciate the space that we can get out here, uh, in New Jersey while raising a family. And as we said about the, you mentioned Bibles being a guiding light for us during these times, especially now, uh, do you have a current or do you have a favorite Bible passage that you'd like to turn to for a little encouragement or pickup? You know, I think given the current state of the world and in the hospital um it's definitely psalm 23 um mm. you know my my first day that i got my hazmat suit you know to battle covid i wrote psalm 23 on top of my hood to remind me nice. that yeah the lord is my shepherd and you know when he's with me and i'll fear no evil his rod and his staff comfort me so it, it reminds me when i go in because there is that initial uncertainty of what we're facing yeah, it became, you know, my, yeah, my, literally my, my shield. That verse. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. Psalm is always good to go to. Yeah. Um, And you told me before we started taping that you love the movie Shawshank Redemption, which is obviously one of my favorites as well. Yeah. Um, Do you have a favorite scene that kind of, that hit you really well or just kind of spoke to you? Oh my gosh, that movie is... It's a classic. There's so many great scenes in it. But I think literally just as you asked me now, it's it's kind of that scene where he, he's, he just came out of the sewer and it's raining and it's like mm. his first breath of like freedom and fresh air and he's just there and there's just like that visceral scream in the rain after mm. digging through like the, the, the sludge and the sewage for how long? Um, <laughs> and then and whatever, like 20 plus, 10, 20 years of, of digging that hole but that's just that that scream and that scream of him like just there. Yeah, that's 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 an awesome shot. Yeah, that's uh, I think one that's iconic. Yeah, to really and honestly, that's kind of almost how I want to feel after this is all said and done. We're all just sitting there, hands up, getting washed, and we're done. Let's move yes. on. We're done with COVID. COVID, be gone. <laughs> when we go back to church, let's all just sit there and do that. Yeah. <laughs> 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 All right, moving on here. Um, you are a Giants fan. Um, yes, go blue. New York, Gi- New York Giants fan. Um, 
the uh, draft was recently a couple weeks ago, which mm-hmm. was different because it was held at people's homes and the commissioner yeah. was in his basement, which is kind of strange. But yeah. being that it may, the Giants had an early pick. They had two early picks. So give us your an- analysis or breakdown of the Giants' first two draft picks. Well, you know, it's pretty clear that the Giants were going to get an offensive lineman with their fourth pick overall in the draft. Um, and thankfully, this is the year that they had multiple stud offensive linemen. So it was almost like couldn't go wrong picking one of the four. Um, I was a little surprised that they picked Andrew Thomas because he didn't get as much press media coverage after the combine because, uh, you know, Tristan Wirfs did, did so well at the combine. Um, and he kind of blew it away. And I think the combine always kind of throws people off when someone does well. It kind of heightens their, you know, their buzz. But then when I just sat back and thought about it, Thomas was always, you know, solid from the beginning. He was like number one ranked before combine offensive lineman. So yeah, you know, pretty happy with the pick. I think he's steady, and I think hopefully he'll protect uh, Jones' blind side for a long, long time. Yes, um, that was a glaring hole for the Giants to short the line and to protect their franchise in in Daniel Jones. Yeah. And speaking of Danny Dimes, um, obviously he's got a lot of uh, he's got big shoes to fill since yeah. um, taking over for Eli Manning. Do you think Daniel Jones will win as many Super Bowls as Eli Manning? Now, you know, there's like reality and there's hope. <laughs> um, <laughs> my hope is that, uh, no, that he'll win more. Let's go for three. Let's go. Let's, let's ask for it. You know, <laughs> why not? We got Saquon Jones, we got offensive linemen, you know, let's, why not? Can be done. Okay. Okay. And let's hope the season gets started uh, this year because of <laughs> yeah. everything that, that takes place. Awesome. That was fun. Thanks, Jason. Yeah. Yes. And as we start to wrap up here, uh, especially in our current times where every life has been turned upside down, you know, and coronavirus has really changed the landscape of things. Um, you shared your tremendous story of kind of how God was there for you and God is still there for you and dealing with kind of life and death uh, every day. Um, is there, I'll call it a parting gift for our listeners uh, right now, in a sense of a, a word of encouragement um, that you'd like to share, as you know, to them, say, hey, you know, things obviously look bad now, but it'll get better, and you know, what also we can do to help um, the communities around us because, you know, yes, your hospital is good with PPE, and but there are other you know, societies and other communities out there that are suffering yeah. uh, from this pandemic. So one, is there something you could just encourage us with as we say goodbye? And, you know, where can we turn to to really volunteer and help? You know, I think amidst this, you know, world crisis, world pandemic, I think what's really been touching to see is, you know, all the stories of communities coming together, um, whether they're you know, just checking on their neighbor or um, trying to organize PPE for the hospitals, and, uh, organizing food, uh, you know, for people who, you know, who who don't have food now. Um, you know, these touches of humanity are, are are really touching and great to see. And um, you know, it gives me hope. You know, that you know there are people out there that you know this. You know, as a human race, um, yeah, we can really come together, and you know, we we, we get through things. And as believers, all the more, you know, as we pray, um, you know, we do pray for the healing of the land. And, you know, the God does hear our prayers. And, yeah, just, you know, in the times where 
we might feel like there's hopelessness, you know, just yeah, as a reminder for all the saints out there that you know, God hears our prayers and you know, He will answer them accordingly. It may not be how we, we want it to look, it may not be in our timing. Um, but yeah, you know, it doesn't mean we don't stop interceding on behalf of the world um, before God and, and to, you know, really not lose that hope and, you know, to cling on to the Bible truly as you know, our truth and our light um, and blueprint. Um, and I think on a more practical level, in terms of our communities here in New Jersey, you know, for those of us who are um, blessed enough to, you know, still have um, a paycheck, um, you know, I think what's been on my heart recently a lot is uh, to give back, um, you know, to have donations out. And what's really struck me is uh, something called the Community Food Bank in New Jersey. Um, you know, as I drive to work, you know, not too many people are out and about. As I drive to work, um, a lot of times I just I'm stopped at these red lights and you just see, like, everywhere it's like all these empty stores. And there once was so much people in life, it's, like, empty. And it just reminds me, it's like, wow, you know. Not only these stores are all empty jobs, um, and it's a real struggle out there, you know, for people who are concerned about whether they're going to pay their rent, their mortgage, or feed their families. Um, so the Community Food Bank in New Jersey uh, helps provide meals for, um, you know, New Jersey uh, surrounding communities, and they're a vetted organization. So yeah, you know, for those of us who are still receiving some check, um, you know, I think yeah, it's our time to, especially as believers, not only to pray for our community, pray against COVID and for healing and for our communities. Uh, but also, yeah, you know, to, to give where we can. And this is, this is one of those instances. Yeah. It's on my heart. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, it is the community food bank in New Jersey. That's cfbnj.org. Cfbnj.org. I checked it out and it's tremendous. And if anyone that can, as Jason said, please help donate and support the local communities. Um, Cause yeah, people are, not just dealing with health, but, you know, food. Some people need food on their table. So uh, check out cfbnj.org, uh, the Community Food Bank of New Jersey. Um, that's awesome, Jason. And you also said the word um, interceding. I think that's another thing um, that I feel like is more needed now. Um, yes. As we spend time in prayer to really behold, you know, we may not know that person. And again, just like you're dealing each and every day, um, helping in the uh, ICU or just setting a patient up that you don't know them at all. <laughs> but God does and interceding on their behalf is something that is so vital. Um, and I appreciate you sharing that. Thank you. I'm very encouraged. Oh, my pleasure, brother. Thank you. Uh, Jason, yeah, it was truly a pleasure spending time with you. Thank you for sharing your amazing journey and your story. Uh, thank you for what you do at the hospital. Um, you're out there every day, um, taking extra time to change and get <laughs> ready and prepare, but also helping uh, not just save lives, but impact lives, you know, because you're there on yeah. the front lines dealing with this coronavirus. Uh, so encouraged. You know, I wish you continued blessings uh, for you and your wife and kids and the hospital and the staff that you work with. Uh, again, thank you so much, Jason. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Walter. Praise God. Thank you to everyone for listening. I hope that what we shared was inspiring and transformative for your life and will help you continue your personal walk with God. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to stay updated for future episodes. If you feel like a journey seems too tough, remember, God will put people in your lives to make that journey an amazing one. So be on the lookout. God's plan for you are always good. I'm Walter Lim. Take care and God bless.